Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Mary Plastic. I am a founder of Upgrade Disability and your host. I would like to thank you for joining me today at the intersection of disability and politics. The road ahead can be a bumpy one, so buckle up and let's navigate this journey together. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me today, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Would you please introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. My name is Science Centeno Bloom and my pronouns are she, her. Thank you, Sarah. Is there anything you would like to tell our audience about you before we get started today? I guess, what can I say about myself? I am disabled, obviously. I'm a student currently in college. I'm a signed model. Uh, I have two awesome dogs and an amazing husband. And honestly, I'm just happy to be here with you because I admire you so much. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that we get to share this space together. I want you to tell our audience about because we all have this journey that we go on when we're disabled, whether we're disabled from an early age or we become disabled later in life. We all are on this journey. Can you talk about a defining moment for you on your journey? Yeah. So I think the most defining moment for me was two years ago, which was when my disability became apparent because I was born with my conditions. I just didn't know that I had them, if that makes sense, because I was misdiagnosed for so long until things got so bad that now I'm, you know, I use supplemental oxygen. I I use a power wheelchair. I have a port. And before a lot of my conditions manifested in behavioral sort of ways because it's neurological. So I was uh, very anxious, moody. And so even though I had physical manifestations of my illness, like seizures and things like that, they still said that it was like psychosomatic, like not the seizures, but like some of the other physical symptoms I had, like nausea, diarrhea, all those things. And so when I, when I, (laughs) got so sick two years ago after I had a surgery and all of these things, of course, got amplified and came to the forefront when I found out that I have a genetic illness and I have an autoimmune disease and all these other things. It was like a, what do I want to call Identity crisis, if that makes sense, because I went from thinking all these years, the only thing that's wrong with me is maybe a few little physical things and the rest is just in my head. And so that was defining because I had to change my entire life. I had to live in a different community now, one that I frankly didn't pay attention to because it didn't happen to me. You know, I thought I was fine. Um, so that was the most defining moment for me was when all the changes came. And I think it's important that the audience understand that when you are chronically ill, you go undiagnosed and misdiagnosed for years. 
Yes. Um, I personally hate doing it like that, but my doctor told me I was just getting old, or it was just in my head. I was depressed. And mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is, I'm chronically ill, and I went undiagnosed for years. And like you, I was thinking, oh, maybe it is in my head. Maybe I am making it up. And that validation of getting a diagnosis is something that's very rare for people in our community. And I think it's important that we talk about that. I'm gonna ask you about something I mentioned to you before we started recording. You do pageants. And I know as a little girl, I had this dream of becoming like Miss America, but you know, Miss America wasn't disabled. Um, I think there was a Miss America who was deaf in the 90s, and that was a big deal. I think made such a big deal about it. Talk to me about the pageant world and the ableism, and just in general, how has ableism affected you during? Yes. So first, I just want to mention, I know exactly which Miss America you're talking about. I read her book. She had a book. It was amazing. And I read it during a time where I didn't know that I even had a chronic illness or anything. And she like, I emailed her and she emailed me back. And I remember just like, you know, being so like in love with her because she was amazing. But anyways, as far as ableism in the pageant world, it's there, (laughs) obviously, Particularly, I think it's evident in the Miss World organization because they have something called a fitness competition. And so you have to be able to physically run, do these little obstacle courses that they have. And when I was Miss Maryland and competed at Miss World America, which is the preliminary to Miss World, um, I had to do one of those. I had to do a fitness competition. And at that time, I knew that I would pass out sometimes when I would exercise. And I also knew that I had osteoporosis. So I went in completely terrified, like knowing that I wasn't going to do well and I didn't do well. And I'm sure that hurt my, you know, performance in the competition. I placed in the top 10, but I think having to prove how physically fit you are is incredibly ableist. And I felt in that moment when I had to do, you know, like 200 push-ups and all these ridiculous things, I felt in that moment like crying because even though I could walk and I could run and stuff at that time, it it's still, you know, my illness still affected me back then. And I felt like it was unfair. I like brought it up to them one time where I was just like, and what if you're sick and you can't do this? And they didn't have an alternative. And so it's like, oh, well, you lose points. And that is something I still think about from time to time. And aside from that, even just like some of them have the swimsuit competition that could be seen as ableist, of course, um, because first of all, it's like fat phobia, but also ableist because there's people who are on medications and can't control their weight or can't exercise like everybody else, or that's just the way they are, you know, like, so those were the like most ableist things that I 
noticed when doing pageants? Also, when you talk about swimsuit, I think about people that have um, like a colostomy bag mm-hmm. and things like that. And like, they don't want to see mobility aids, medical devices, or even any scars from an operation. I'm sure if somebody had a scar because they had a horrific accident and they overcame something, then that would be okay. Yeah. Because that's inspiration point. And that's okay. Like as long as we are inspiring, then our disabilities and our illnesses are seen as acceptable. I completely agree. And I don't know if you've heard of Madeline Delp, I believe is her name. And she just competed at Miss Earth. She uses a wheelchair and she's very good. And I, I wonder if the reason she hasn't made it past like the top five is because exactly what you said. And you're right. They, they do seem to love inspiration porn because they have had people who've competed, who have a visible difference or like you know, use a mobility aid or are deaf. And they always single out those candidates for all of their media. But when it comes to the actual competition, that girl doesn't make it past maybe the top 10 or the top 20. I've never seen one other than Madeline, you know, make the top five. And I feel like it's, they're exploiting these can these candidates. Cause like I said, they're, using them on all of their media. They're the main people that everybody's talking about. Like, oh, wow, look, you know, she's, she has alopecia or she uses a cane or a walker. And then people are excited and it gets to the competition and that girl doesn't make it, but they sure as hell used it for views. So you're completely right. And I think that goes across the board where big pageants are just in general. I think that's just how society is like we are not seen as valuable members unless we're being inspired and while we are on the subject of ableism let's talk about COVID Mm -hmm. because if we don't talk about COVID then are we really addressing ableism so let's talk about COVID sure how has Society's attitude surrounding COVID, and now more specifically, the CDC director's attitude surrounding COVID affected you and your mental health. I feel like we have spent two years talking about the mental health of the non-disabled community. We have not addressed the mental health of the disabled and concrete community, but we are going to here. Yes. How has it affected me? First of all, it's made me very anxious. I have to cross state lines to go to doctor's appointments because I live in a, you know, I live in Maryland. We have DC, we have Virginia. And many of my appointments could be two hours away, which means I'm going to have to go get food, you know, and I can't get food from the drive-thru all the time because I have gastroparesis 
and that food's going to make me sick. So I have to go inside somewhere where they're prep, you know, where they're making food. And I've had to cancel appointments. I'm already starting to cancel appointments because I know people are not taking it seriously. I know the CDC only did that, cut it in half, you know, the quarantine time because of capitalism. And obviously they're putting money over our lives. And I wish I could say I was surprised, but I'm not because this entire country has been built on honestly exploiting people, but it's created a lot of fear for me. I'm worried about, like I said, going to appointments, canceling them because that hurts my health in the long run. I, you know, I have a couple cavities. I'm supposed to get that fixed. I'm going to have to cancel my appointment next week because it's really, really bad in my area. So bad that my county was on the news, like nationally, because of how bad it is. We live in a super conservative area <laughs> and the carelessness I have seen from people, people that I know, especially in like church communities has been absolutely disgusting. And we're expected to stay home, right? They can, they think we have to stay home if we're, if we are so scared, this is what I hear all the time. If you're so scared, stay home. And it's like, I can't just stay home. I have to go out in the community. I have to go to the doctor. And if I'm two hours away, I'm going to have to go get food. I'm going to have to use the bathroom. I'm going to have to walk in, not walk in, roll into some place. And I'm going to be scared because we also don't really have any mask mandates. So people aren't all wearing masks in my community. And they're also not respecting space. It's like, I feel like sometimes these people get close to me in public on purpose, to be honest with you. Um, and it's been scary. I'm angry. Uh, I, I've expressed this to my husband about how terrified I am. I was just talking to him this morning about how we have to suffer, you know, me specifically and, you know, our community because they think, that because they're healthy, that they have the right to go out and do whatever. And we're the ones who, who, if we have the problem, have to suffer in every way possible, not just mentally, but physically, because we're canceling appointments because of them. So I'm very angry. <laughs> you are not the only one who's angry. I am very <clears throat> angry. Um, I have talked a lot about it on my personal Instagram about COVID rage. And I have a lot of COVID rage. I'm very angry because like you, I am missing appointments. Yes. And I shouldn't have to miss bio appointments because people won't wear masks. At the very beginning of the pandemic, I went to the podiatrist and there was a man in there who was coughing and not covering his mouth. And I moved. And I was, and a lot of us were wearing masks prior to the pandemic yes. because it protected us because we are chronically ill, we're immunocompromised. And I remember this woman in the waiting room turned to this man and said, you can get her sick if you do that. And I was so thankful for this woman I did not know to speak up, but I am not going in that germ hole. 
mm-hmm. and risking my health. But at the same time, I need to see my podiatrist. I need Ooh. to see my cardiologist. I, I need to get all these things done. And I can't because like you, I live in a conservative town where my roommate will go out and tell me, oh yeah, there were like three people wearing masks when I went out. And people keep testing positive in her office for COVID. And it's like, it's horrifying. And somebody just came back to work because the CDC shortened that time. They came back after five days and they're still coughing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to say, and I know you agree with me, disabled and chronically ill people have lives. We have mm-hmm. lives prior to COVID. So why is it now we cannot live our lives freely? I don't, well, I understand that people are selfish, but the Mm -hmm. fact that non-disabled people are putting themselves first is so infuriating. It absolutely is. It's, It's something that I've seen pretty much everywhere, even in medical offices, because a lot of them don't want to do virtual visits anymore. That's something that I actually had to fight for a couple of times. And I feel like we're always fighting somebody, right? And it's like they they only made accommodations when it applied to non-disabled people. Uh, grocery, a lot of them did start doing grocery delivery to cars, but a lot of them took that stuff away where, you know, we're not bringing it into your car. You have to come in. Oh, we can't give you a virtual appointment, even though there's no need for you to come in. Like, that's just our policy. You have to come in. And it does make me feel disposable. It, it I don't know. I can't even articulate how it makes me feel. It makes me feel like I don't matter. And that's bad for our mental health. Like to begin with is it's that feeling. Plus you add being isolated. I don't know how we do it every day. (laughs) That's what angers me. What angers me is nobody is talking about our mental health. Everyone is talking about non-disabled people's mental health, but Mm -hmm. no one is talking about our mental health and how we are having to navigate this pandemic. And I've been saying for two years, existing is exhausting. Yes, that's a good way to put it. It is, everything's a battle. And we're tired, we're very tired. And if we don't fight, we are forgotten about. Yeah. So we have no choice but to fight. And exactly. it is exhausting. What would you like to say to the non-disabled community that is listening right now? What is the message that you would like to relay to them? I think the biggest thing that I would say to them is you might think disability like doesn't affect you or can't affect you, but at some point in your life, you or someone you love is going to become disabled. And that's why disability rights matters to everyone because it affects all of us. So I guess 
it would be just to support us. You know, I feel like we say this all the time and, and nothing happens, but I also want to just articulate that so many people supported the free Britney movement, right? And those are disability rights. And, and as soon as that was over, they all disappeared. And the pandemic is a huge disability rights issue. So I'm like, unless it's a white, you know, cisgender celebrity woman or whatever, like people care. But if it's, you know, the rest of us, <laughs> especially BIPOC disabled folks, we're completely forgotten about. And that affects the economy. If people care so much about the economy, then we have to, you know, disability rights has to be at the forefront. If we if we don't have accessibility, we can't contribute. If we don't have access to healthcare, it's gonna cost, you know, the country more. So, you know, think about that. Think about that and and advocate for us and wear a damn mask. <laughs> you know, get vaccinated, wear a mask. That's my yeah. biggest thing. And we, we wanna say when we say get vaccinated, it's for people who are able to get vaccinated. There are people who are not able to get vaccinated. We are not talking to that group of people. We are talking to a group of people who won't do it just because they don't want to. Be considerate. Think about somebody other than yourselves. I said today on Twitter, show up for disabled and chronically ill people show up before you are a part of our community and chances are you probably will become a part of our community and then you're going to realize that no one is showing up for you. Wow, well said, yes. Show up for us. Cyan, mm -hmm. it has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me. Just thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Politics of Disability podcast. I can never remember disability is political, disability is messy, Disability is not powerful, nor does it have to be.